Warning, this episode may contain explicit language and spoilers for the entirety of the Reordenverse. Welcome to episode 16 of Seed Monsters. Woo! It's called, surprise, Party Ponies Invade the Ship. That's also a good title. It's very on the nose. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, it's because, yeah, so we're only doing, are we doing three chapters? Yeah, we're doing three. Okay. I was going to say, because one of these episodes is going to be, like, super short. <laughs> mm. Which is, turns out to be our finale. Our finale is going to be quite oh, short. <laughs> yeah, we'll finish it with a... Uh... With gusto, I don't know. We well, anyways. Sure. It'll be short and sweet, a nice wrap-up. Yeah. Okay, so these three chapters, very short, very quick, a lot of action, a lot of rounding stuff out. So this may also be a very short episode too. Yeah, I mean, I've got some stuff to talk about, so like, it'll be okay, but yeah, yeah you know, like, it's, it, yeah, it will go a bit quicker than the others, which is totally <laughs> fine, because, you know, that's where we're at in... This series, so that's what we're getting to, and this is the shortest book, so we're gonna have a short episode. I think we're gonna learn from, uh, you know, this mistake in next next book. We're well, we said that. Plan I don't know. Chapter. We said that last season too, and I didn't learn. So yeah. Well, we've now done it twice. I feel like we should learn. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, these three chapters, Joe. Yes. Some fun stuff goes down. Yes, I read all five at once, so my brain's sort of like, you have to narrow it down for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, we have, that's, okay, so we had to read two weeks worth of stuff, so we're recording two episodes in a row, because at the time of recording, our uh, birthdays are next week, so we're not planning on doing any work next week at yes. all. So well, guests over, and it's a bit rude to be like, can you guys just fuck off while we go and record for a couple <laughs> Can you just hours? like sh- sit there and shut up for like yeah. two hours while we record? Yeah, like, can we watch TV? No, because you'll hear it through the walls. So just <laughs> no, that will interfere. <laughs> you just sit there silently. Thank you. <laughs> so yeah, we won't be doing that. So instead, we're double recording today, which is totally fun. So, okay, cool. And well, if you guys want to wish us happy birthday? I'm, <laughs> I'm I mean, that was a joke. <laughs> this episode will come out way after our birthday, so... Okay, well we can just... I say our birthday as if we share the same one. Yeah, can we I don't. Share, can I twins? Uh, no. <laughs> just three years apart. Oh my god. <laughs> And three days. Oh, yeah, yeah. oh, that's so crazy. Okay, so if we want to get straight into chapter 16, I go down with the ship. Percy and Tyson fight off Polyphemus while Clarice and Grover get Annabeth safely to the ship. Tyson and Percy work hard to defeat the Cyclops, but when everything seems to be working well for them, Clarice opens up her big mouth to taunt Polyphemus, revealing their position. The Cyclops takes the chance to sink the demigod's ship, and when all seems lost as the five unlikely friends sink to the bottom of the Sea of Monsters, they are rescued by Tyson's hippocampus friend, Rainbow, and his buddies. How cute's that? I know, Rainbow saves the day once again. I love that, yes. Working very well. Yeah. This chapter is extremely fast-paced, and Annabeth's pulling a Jason, and she's just unconscious, basically, for the... Basically. entirety of it, okay. which is Jason throughout all of the Heroes of Olympus, like, oh, boys just getting hit, hit left and honestly, right. Honestly, it was really funny, though, to read, because it'd be like, Jason, this big, powerful demigod who could, like, apparently fight all these wars. Where is he? Oh, he got knocked unconscious in the first three seconds. <laughs> <laughs> like, great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> boys got concussions. <laughs> it reminds me of that episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine where, uh, Pimento's got all this brain damage, and so the doctor shows the healthy parts of his brain, and Jay goes, oh, it doesn't look like that much. Like, all the damage doesn't look too bad. And then he goes, these are the healthy parts. And you're like, oh, it's mostly damage. <laughs> That's Jason. For just, people who don't know Jason, obviously he's from Heroes of Olympus. Yeah, he's the series that we will begrudgingly read, but we'll still read yeah, it. Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there when we get there! We'll get there when we get there. So what are they, Canadians? Excuse me? Alright, so if we are starting off, there is obviously not a lot to talk about mythology-wise, but plot-wise, we get into a lot of shit here. Righto. Okay, so. You more than me. (laughs) Not having anything to do with the plot itself, really, but more just Tyson being the most loyal brother and friend to Percy whatsoever. So, like, when Polyphemus is trying to goad him and being like, oh my god, Tyson, young Cyclops, Cyclops come join me. Yeah, he doesn't try very hard, with. though. No. I mean, like, he does a little bit, and Tyson's like, uh, uh, no! <laughs> <Get> <laughs> so he's got, like, maybe his fatal flaws are loyalty, but not Percy, so it can't be Percy's. I refuse to believe. And yeah, so Tyson's literally going, you are not my kind. 
like, I'll never side with you. I'll always side with the good guys. Polyphemus was like, I am a good guy. I eat everyone. <laughs> oh, I'm equal. <laughs> I don't discriminate. He actually has, Tyson has a little uh, good bit in, hmm. I think it's chapter 19 talking about uh, Polyphemus and, you know, why. Oh, about being raised right. Yeah. And yeah. it's just like a little little insight into why Tyson would never turn into Polyphemus at all. Mm. And it's just like, it's just so nice. And I like that a lot. It's a little cute for Love Tyson. So sad that he's not in the next book. Yeah, but he's in Battle of the Labyrinth. Yeah, but still. It's a whole book we have to wait until we see yeah. it again. But we get <laughs> and the next book barely has anime in it, so like, what the hell? Yeah, okay. But this next book is a whole lot of angst for it Percy. It is. It's, yeah, it and is. And another one of my favourite scenes is coming up that is so underappreciated. In this book? No, in, in the space. next book. Oh. When, they, when they're dancing. Oh, at the very end? <laughs> at the very beginning! Oh, at the beginning. When they go and they find Nico and Bianca. Or Bianca. Isn't the dance at the end? No, they're like, they're disguised as like school students and it's at a dance and so at a... Tyler, Tyler, Talia, Talia, <laughs> Talia and Grover are dancing, and then Talia's just like to Percy and Annabeth. She's like, "Be inconspicuous, blend in, dance." And Percy's like, "Who should I ask to dance?" That's <laughs> like, "You fucking idiot, me, dance with me." And he's like, "Ah, so funny, it's so cute, it's my favorite bit." So you say Talia just then? We obviously say Talia. That's a very commonplace name here. In Australia. Yeah, the amount of Americans that I have had to listen to pronounce it Thalia. Are you kidding me? Yeah. And I'm like, dude, no. No. Thalia? What the fuck? Like, that's such a common name here that I just don't understand how it's not common elsewhere. Why is well, it like, such a common name here? <laughs> well, how many Thalias do you know? One. I know, like, four. I, have a, I know a lot of lilies. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, we're not talking about this, are we? <laughs> I'm just saying, like, that's a popular name for me. I know a lot of Joshes, a lot of Adams, a lot of Bens, and a lot of Lilies. Baba Booey. <laughs> Baba Booey. <laughs> that's from Tyson Rick. Oh, Ben's so underrated. Oh, I love Ben. <laughs> I love him so much. Anyway. Where was I going with that? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> you were talking about Titan's Curse and you mentioned Talia, so I just had to bring up the fact that Americans can't say Talia or have just never come across the name, so they're like, Thalia? I don't know. I'm Talia! Anyway, yeah, that's dumb. So as they're fighting Polyphemus, there's a little cute bit where Tyson goes, you go and I will hold him back and I'll fight against him. And Percy goes, no, I'm not losing you again. We'll fight him together. And then Tyson agrees and goes, together. And first thing that I thought about at the word together was stoic and gods. Yes! Oh my god! <laughs> first, how to train your dragon movie, fighting against they weren't really doing anything. But no, <laughs> they were like running around on the ground. Fighting against Big Mama Dragon, Queen Bee. I don't remember what it's called. Yeah, do it. Can tell you. Anyway, fighting against Queen Bee Dragon. And they're like, together. I can't do a Scottish accent. Yeah, no, that's what I thought too. And then, of course, thinking that, I also thought of the second movie and then when he dies. And I was like, oh my god. Then I can double that time. <laughs> But yes, no, when he, oh my god, when he dies. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, for those who haven't seen it. <laughs> you haven't? Where the fuck have you been? Also, educate yourself, Those that's a fantastic franchise. It is, it is. Get on board, watch the, the movies and the TV show, Tough and Rough are fucking hilarious. Okay, so, but it's if we're comparing, if we're comparing Tyson no, I'm gonna keep on plugging it, Kate. Josh, watch. I'm talking about this still. If we're comparing Tyson and Percy to Stoke and Grover... Grubber? Gobber. Gobber. Who's who? Tyson is stoic. But Tyson is a craftsman, <laughs> and so is Gobber. Yeah, okay, personality-wise, though, Tyson is stoic. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Gobber's out here looking for his left socks. <laughs> why Percy's fucking that? I don't know. <laughs> okay, sorry. Yeah, you're right. I just he's a natural leader. I, I don't know. They're, they're both Gobber. <laughs> Or is, or is, or is Poseidon Gobba, seeing as they both have characteristics of Gobba, is Poseidon Gobba, and then they're just his children? Yes. <laughs> I will forever imagine. Because that's funny. Poseidon's Gobba from now on. <laughs> 
so good. <sighs> Watch How to Train Your Dragon. Watch all of it. It's too good. Yeah. It's so funny. <laughs> it's one of my favourite shows. I also... Okay, so even though this battle's really quick, I really like it because you've got... Sort of everyone's at the same advantage or kind of the same advantage because they're all... All three of them are Sons of Poseidon. Percy's the only one who can summon the water, but the other two have their huge strength and whatever, so they're kind of all evenly matched, even though it's two-on-one. Yeah. But, like, I kind of... I just feel like this would be, if they did it right, one of the best battle scenes, or it could be one of the best battle scenes outside of, like, your... So this could be one of the best monster battle scenes instead of, like, your big army battle scenes from, like, the last two books. like, individual, yeah. This could be so amazing the way that they or like Percy riding the crest of the wave to hit Polyphemus and like Polyphemus throwing those big boulders to try and hit the ship and they're like going everywhere and Tyson I'm just imagining him grabbing one out of midair doing like your discus spin and yeah. it straight back that would be sick to see it would be sick how cool would this fight be compared to like them fighting the Hydra uh, and the Hydra clearly saved them uh. By blowing up from afar, yeah, that's less fun. Yeah, it is. Whereas this is like, you know, put a good score to it, and it could be like, what is that from? <gasps> is it from Narnia? Yeah, it is. I was trying to place that the other day. I was singing it, and I was thinking it was from Harry Potter, and I was like, that's not right. My brain was like, of course you're thinking of Narnia. You're thinking of the big water Moses that comes up in Prince Caspian. Is it Moses, or is that supposed to be Neptune? I don't know. He looks like Moses to me. <laughs> because the the Telmarines are from the Mediterranean. Yes, They're from, like, they Spanish area. I know, but I just like... personally, I don't think he looks as sexy sexy enough to be <laughs> the sea god, so it's not him. Yeah, first, Joe room. thinks that khaki fisherman hat wearing... He is! Okay, what makes you say that? Just because he's got big dick energy. For starters, that energy gives off the sexy vibe. <laughs> Second of all, have you like all the descriptions? Also, if Sally wants is willing to go with him, then hell yeah. See, I don't know why. What I think of when I think of Poseidon is not like those images, but you know Tommy from Shameless who sits at the bar with Kev. I imagine him, but with like dark hair, like the same like attitude. No, he's like eh about everything. I'm like that's kind of Poseidon. Sure, his attitude, but not his physicality. I don't want, ew, gross. I don't want that picture in my head. Yeah. So yeah, I think that that could be a fantastic battle scene if done shit. properly. <laughs> so we're going with the storyline. Clarice is still a fucking idiot. Did she not learn for the first fucking time? Oh, she's so dumb. In the cave where she goes, that rope is a satyr. What are you talking about? And then she's here going, ha ha, you didn't get us. And Polyphemus is like, ha ha, I know where you fucking are. <laughs> He's like, I'm get you. He's like, thank you. Idiot. <laughs> Note. Imagine with his other hand, he's just holding up the finger. <laughs> We've picked the song for that whole scene. Yes. <laughs> just over here having a little party by myself. <laughs> anyway, yeah, but I don't. She's dumb. She's really not putting on her big boy pants. Yeah. So I did a little bit of because you know how Sorry, her he big then, brain pants. Not big well, boy Polyphemus pants. then sinks the ship with one of his boulders, and they're all like, "This is after Percy and Tyson have made it back onto deck, almost." Yes, they've made it back onto the ship, and then he hits no, it, or they're just outside. They're of the like ship. halfway. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then so he like throws it. And Percy's like, "No, aim it at me! Aim it at me! Like over here, over here!" <laughs> He's like, "Leave the ship alone! We need to Just escape." Go here. <laughs> Hey, Zuko here. <laughs> so fucking awkward. <laughs> but so, like, the ship goes down, obviously. I had to do a little bit of research because I couldn't remember from the last time that I read the Odyssey about how Odysseus and his men escaped once. Odysseus was saying, Oh, my name's not nobody. My name's Odysseus. Blah, blah, blah. And then Polyphemus was trying to, you know, throw rocks at them in the same way mm-hmm. that's happening here. Polyphemus didn't get them. He obviously. was throwing rocks and missing because his eye was, like, just recently stabbed. So yeah, like, he still, was still like, pretty figuring fresh. out how to try to... Pretty fresh, yeah. And so that's when he calls on Poseidon, whatever. He doesn't call on Poseidon this time because obviously he can tell that, well, you've got two other kids of Poseidon. It's probably not going to work twice <laughs> in a row. Asking for your blessing with your favourite child on board. So, you know, yeah. probably not going to work. But he thinks he's sunk nobody anyway, so he's like, ha! Yeah, swore that too. Suckers. 
Yeah. So I had to do like a little bit of research because I couldn't remember how uh, this aspect of them leaving Polyphemus' Island in the Odyssey worked. So we know that they escaped the cave under the sheep and, you know, got back to their ships. They actually took the sheep with them. (laughs) Polyphemus had no food, no livestock, and no prisoners. Yeah. Because they took all the sheep. And no sight. Yeah. (laughs) It was a real rough day for him. Yeah, literally. (laughs) So he's just, he literally couldn't aim at them with boulders, instead pulled them beside them, but they still got away. But the thing was, I was looking more into uh, the reason that Odysseus had to tell him his name. Had to. Yeah, well, like, he felt that he had... Odysseus felt he had to, because he has the same fatal flaw as Annabeth, which is hubris. Uh, But then I was thinking about Clarice's fatal flaw and how hers is kind of also hubris, but it's more... Clarice's hubris hinges on the fact of trying to impress one particular person, whereas Annabeth's is impress the whole world. Yeah. So Clarice's is impress Ares. Mm. That's... And her whole identity hinges on the fact of whether she can please her father or make herself look better in front of her dad. That's what her personality hinges on in these, first, <laughs> in these first few books. And so then I was looking at the reason that Odysseus called out his name and it was in that time, in the way that he said his name, he didn't just go, oh, by the way, my name's not nobody, it's Odysseus. He put all of his titles in there in the way that, you know, when you claim a demigod, you know, Percy Jackson, son of... Poseidon, yeah. lord of this, god of this, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Odysseus kind of did the same, just about everywhere, kind of did the same thing. Instead of uttering his name, he put all of his titles in it. So he said, um, you've been defeated by Odysseus, raider of cities, uh, Laodice's son, and who makes his home in Ithaca. Those are the things that he said. So Odysseus knew exactly who he was. Yeah. But the, the point of... You mean Polyphemus. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Polyphemus knew exactly who Odysseus was. And the point of Odysseus putting all of those things in there was an act of confirming what they call Kleos. And so the Kleos is like the glory that you get or like when you're renowned for doing this one thing. Mm. So his hubris was hinging on the fact so that... he was claiming his victory as Yes. Well. Yeah. And so he was doing it so that Polyphemus would know exactly who defeated him and was sort of trying to guarantee Polyphemus telling... Because Polyphemus lived on an island of all Cyclops at that point. Because when, you know, he first said, Oh, nobody's attacking me! All the other Cyclops were like, We're not going to help you if no one is attacking you. Like, yeah. oh, that doesn't make any sense. So, yeah. like, Odysseus was trying to make sure that Polyphemus knew exactly who defeated him so that word would get around, and so that his glory and his overarching success would be even bigger, and so he would be, like, more of a big deal. Because yeah. that was, like... The height of be more formidable, yeah. Yeah, the height of gaining glory in that time. So he was trying to just make Polyphemus and everyone explicitly aware of who defeated who. Yeah. And Clarice kind of is working in the same way. She's not in claiming her name and telling Odysseus, uh, Polyphemus who she is, but in when she's calling out, it's like a haha, you didn't get us, we're still above you. We're st- like, she's still asserting her dominance and that kind of thing. And her, yeah, it's not worked, obviously, for her because he's sunk the ship. So, like, you know, we still got away, though. waves of glory. But, yes, and she's still trying to, in the same way that Odysseus was trying to make it known to Polyphemus, she was also trying to make it known to Polyphemus. I don't know if this that is, like, a really again. long-winded <clears throat> explanation or trying to pinpoint two things together. <laughs> Sorry, I just accidentally hit my mic. So, in the same way that Odysseus is claiming glory here, Clarice is trying to do the same thing and show her dad that she's like, you know, the best at everything. Mm. And so, that's her hubris playing a part going, it's also like, just her stupidity and her, you know, having to being a bully and lord it over someone else that she's the bigger, literally the bigger person going, ah! <laughs> but not the bigger person, you know, like, that phrase-wise. But, yeah. like, I don't know, I just thought it was interesting, the parallel that's kind of being drawn there. Like, not explicitly drawn, but, like, a little bit. Yeah, and he's just pulling in the story of Odysseus more. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. yeah. So, I Rick, just thought it was Rick is pulling the story of Odysseus in more. I just thought it was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And then we get, obviously, Rainbow being the main hero of this chapter. Oh, yeah. The main hero. Stalker, but main hero. <laughs> no! Loyal companion! <laughs> Mighty steed! <laughs> She called me Steve. <laughs> Good old noble Steve. Sorry, not mighty noble. <laughs> Hear that, Shrek? I'm a noble Steve. I'm a noble Steve. <laughs> <laughs> 
And then, at the very end of the chapter, as they're falling asleep on the hippocampus back and everything... I did have that moment marked. Percy tells Annabeth that she's a genius. And it's just really cute because... But it's also like, like, dude, why didn't you wait for her to be able to hear you? Because he he whispers it in her ear really into it, and then he falls asleep on top of her, and I'm like, that's cute! But but he says says that he owed the gods a debt... But has your debt truly been repaid if the person that you're giving a compliment to... Is unconscious. Yeah. That's like when people say, oh, you said I love you in your sleep, but it doesn't count because you didn't know you said it. Yeah. You know? Also, if they said it in their sleep, they could be talking to anyone. (laughs) (laughs) It's in a dream that they said it. It could not be... It might not be to you. (laughs) I don't know, man. This is your dream. Take responsibility. I don't know, Danny. Is this your dream? Good old Teen Wolf. Good old Styles. Oh, so good. Alright, and that was chapter... What chapter was yeah, that? Yeah, that concludes chapter <laughs> 16. 16! Some good, good stuff going on here. And chapter 17 is interesting. Yes. Plot-wise, you get your villain monologue. Love that from you, Luke. Oh, nice so energy. Good. We didn't learn from the first book. Yeah. Just, we love that. Percy puts on his b-boy pants. We love that from you. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it's just overall... Yeah. It's just Percy going... <laughs> for the whole chapter basically even though Luke's thinking also <laughs> Kate's uprising books <laughs> you'd be like sense the tone <laughs> so in chapter 17 we get a surprise on Miami Beach the group finds themselves on the edge of Miami but the hippocampi can take them no closer due to the pollution of the water so they must swim back to the shore by themselves when they make it back to the beach, they quickly realise that Clarice must be the one to deliver the fleece home safely and alone. Moments after Clarice is waved away in a taxi, Luke appears to kidnap Percy, Annabeth, Grover and Tyson and haul them aboard the Princess Andromeda, which has been waiting in the marina. Once aboard, Luke tells them of his evil plans, but unbeknownst to him, Percy has Iris messaged the entire conversation back to Camp Half-Blood and Luke has outed himself as the bad guy, as if they didn't already know. For his betrayal, Luke sentences Percy to death. Wow. Once again. Once again. Luke just not learning. I wonder if he's going to escape. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the first note that I had, they're getting back to shore and Percy notices that immediately Tyson's eyes have been covered up, or eye, has been covered up by the mist again. Yeah. But here's the thing. Yes. Grover puts on a hat and shoes. Why doesn't the mist cover up his shit but it covers up Tyson's shit. I was thinking that all the time. I'm like... Why does Grover go to all this effort if something else will just do it for him? Exactly. I'm like, dude, it's fine. And even if somebody did see your hairy hooved legs and horns, they would more be like... (laughs) They'd be like, the fuck? Do a double take? That guy's got some fuzzy pants. (laughs) They wouldn't say anything. Yeah, they'd probably get animal rights activists being like, he's wearing animal skin. I mean, like, I guess I could understand it if he was still in his his, uh, protector role, like as a, you know, as someone who brings half-bloods back to camp, because if you're parading in a school and trying to keep it inconspicuous, but kids, like who are obviously demigods, can see you for what you are. Yeah. I understand it from that point. Yeah. I understand wearing shoes and a cap to, like, make it known to kids, you don't know what I am. No, 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 no. <laughs> but when he's now a searcher and he's looking for Pan... He's no longer... He's a, no longer no, no. a keeper or whatever they're called. Or a protector. I don't know what they're called. What are they called? Protector. Are they called protectors? Yeah. Okay. Well, he's no longer a protector and everyone around him already knows what he is. So, and, like, random mortals passing by... The mist is going to work. Also, so, like, random, random, all this you don't get looked at that often when you're yeah. in New York, I'm assuming. Like, it seems well, like in Miami a, right now, but... Okay, it just seems like a busy place, and not many people would really take a second glance. They'd be like, okay. <laughs> and also, it's Miami. I feel like nobody's going to second guess yeah, whatever they're looking at, because this is Florida, people. Miami sounds weird. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, you know what I mean? It just... It just is weird. Mm. And we don't ever see Hedge putting on a cap and shoes when no. he goes off the Argo in Heroes of Olympus. We don't see that happening. No, he does not give two shits. He's like... No. Well, also, yeah, he doesn't give two shits. Maybe that's what Grover's like. I just feel insecure. I need to wear my shoes. Yeah. Whereas Hedge is like, I'll beat you with a bat if you talk back to me. <laughs> <laughs> Which is 
are yeah I don't know it just is weird about the mist in this mm. like what are they trying to I don't know what they're trying to say does Rick just really want Grover to wear a Rasta cap <laughs> is that all that he like it's a great fucking hat because I know that in the musical Grover wears your tie-dye shirt so is he just trying to post Grover as hippie. like your weird little hippie kid is that what's happening maybe Grover likes wearing it Maybe he's like, it's like, yeah, it's like a security hat. You know, people have security blankets. It's, it's his security hat. He's See, like, this is my. <laughs> I don't know why you bother with the shoes. Nobody's looking at your feet. <laughs> no one sees the back of you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. That just. I, it's been a question that I've been like wanting to broach for the last oh, yeah. two books and just forgot always about it. Oh, so yeah. this time I made a note to write a note about it. And then, yeah. You made a note to write a note? It, yeah, I made a note in my brain to write a note about it on the page. <laughs> Except not on the page, because I don't hurt books like that. Just the same that we're not dog-earing pages. No, good ever. God. You'll go to jail. You'll go to Awful. hell. That's it. Lawful evil. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I've just noticed that all three marks like little tabs that I pointed out all three of them were just Persimuth moments <laughs> I don't have anything with Joke, how is that different to any other tab you've ever made sometimes hey 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 <laughs> I had tabs also can I just say I had tabs down you know no, how before you continue I had tabs down for Medusa and Hades and Persephone <laughs> those were important right, arguments boxes, sorry <laughs> that's important things I had to talk about okay and then we get okay wait we get Annabeth and Percy ganging up on Clarice going, what exactly did the oracle say to you? Oh, okay. What was your prophecy? I didn't see it that way, but okay. Well, I saw it that way. You dug up too much into that statement. <laughs> well, okay, so Annabeth was one being really angry, and then Percy's going, stop it, stop fighting, what was your prophecy? Yeah, he's the real peacemaker this time. Do you want to read the prophecy out before we go? Sure, I'll have to find it, but sure. All right, okay, so the prophecy says... You shall sail the iron ship with warriors of bone. You shall find what you seek and make it your own. But despair for your life entombed within stone and fail without friends to fly home alone. I love from the get-go that the oracle basically said, bitch, you gonna have no friends on this quest. Yeah, what a bummer. Like, basically, and that's, you know, so she shouldn't have been surprised when all of her Ares siblings... She probably wasn't. <laughs> she really wasn't. She was just sort of, probably still butthurt when like, they were like... Ew, no. She was like, fuck. I guess Oracle was right, son of a bitch. But yeah, I don't think she was surprised. In terms of difficulty level from this prophecy to the last prophecy, some of these aren't, like, I feel like, like the prophecy from the Lightning it. Thief was like each line wasn't something that they could choose to do. It was something that just, you know, just the fates it just happened. Yeah, whereas literally the first line of this one is, you shall sail the iron ship with worries of bone. You figure what that out. You figure that out so quickly, and yeah. it just becomes like, it, like it's you know, if it was going to be something that was thrust upon her, then it would be like a hardship, and then out of nowhere, a ship would come and save her, and you know, the yeah, ship crewmates would be you know the SS Birmingham, whatever it was, all the zombies and whatever. So then it would make sense. Mm-hmm. But she sought after the ship from her dad because of the problem. yeah. Which is not what a prophecy is supposed to do. No. It's supposed to warn you. Exactly. It's not supposed to be like a recipe, which is kind of what the first line of this one is. Also, it's, you know, there's no double meaning to it. Yeah. Like, how are you supposed to interpret that in any other way than you're going to be sailing on a tin ship with with ghosts? (laughs) With zombies? And then the second line, you shall find sorry, what you seek and make sorry, it your in, own. In comparison to the first, to yeah. Percy's prophecy from yeah. last book. But so then the second line, you shall find what you seek and make it your own. Finding what they seek is obviously the golden place, but she doesn't make it her own. Percy, Percy makes, makes it her it, own. Yeah. Whereas the line here, the way that it reads, is like she makes it her own, but she doesn't make that decision. Percy makes that decision and goes oh, I figured it out, off you go. And he only makes that decision because of the last line. So, like, it's just odd. But so the third line, but despair for your life in two within stone, obviously gets trapped in Polyphemus' cave. Yeah. Doesn't know if she's going to get out. <laughs> so that's, like, the despair. And then fail without friends to fly home alone. 
she's obviously destined to fail without her friends being there, or friends, I say that's Yeah, probably. that's the only line that could be, like, reinterpreted differently, in different ways. Yeah. Like, fail without friends, you know, oh, I'm gonna die, or I'm gonna die if I don't have friends. That's what it sounds like to me. Without your friends, you will fail. You will die. Yeah, but, like... That's really the only option. You either succeed in your quest, or you die. Yeah, I mean, so, what's the line again? <laughs> fail without friends to fly, fly home alone. Okay, yeah, no, there's really only one way to interpret that. <laughs> yeah. She needs friends. Yeah, no, it's, it's a very plain, boring prophecy. Yeah, so literally that last line is, she's destined to fail without Percy, Annabeth, and Grover, and Tyson, but if she, the quest succeeds, then she would fly home alone. Yeah. That's what that line is saying. Like, just interesting stuff. But I think this is the only book that we get to, that we don't know the prophecy from the get-go. Yeah. Because in, obviously, Lightning Thief, we get it at the very beginning, because Percy's like, I'm going to go up and see that weird mummy chick. I don't know about this, guys. I don't know. She's creepy. And then in Titan's Curse, Zoe goes up to get the quest, doesn't no, she? No, Oracle comes to them. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That was even worse. Yeah. And then Like, in... seeks her out, and she's like, ah! <laughs> All of them are like, oh my god. Battle of the Labyrinth, it's Annabeth's quest, isn't it? Yes. Yes. And then the last one's just the Great Prophecy, which yes. we find out the, find whole, out the thing whole thing at, at the, the end of... The beginning. Is it at the beginning of Last yeah. Thing, or do we find out the actual whole prophecy in... No, we find out the whole thing uh, at the beginning of Last Olympian. See, it's been a long time since I read that book. When they're in the council room, oh. which is just a ping pong table. But he already knows parts of it from yeah. the other books. Like, yeah. he knows snippets, but he finds out the whole thing yeah. all together. And then he's like, what's the point? I'm just going to die. <laughs> I was going to say some stuff about prophecies from Charles of Apollo. And just the fact that the prophecies in Charles of Apollo are so long. Because his prophecies take the form of, like, really long poems. So some of them have, like, four verses. Oh, my God. There's, like, 16 lines in one of them. And you're like, you just told me the whole story. You're not really... That's one of the problems that I have with Charles of Apollo. He's written it differently. And it just, you can see everything coming. And I'm not even coming at that from being older when I read it. I'm coming at that from he's spelling it out for everyone. And even little like, kids who read it, dude. who read it, could be like, there's no surprise here. Like, dude, leave it up to chance a little bit. <laughs> Let me use my brain just a little. So then they send uh, Clarice away with the little money that they have left. Because Tyson saved the feed bag for Rainbow, yeah, but it's just money. And he, I just am imagining the look on his face when he went, oh, it's just money. Be like, are you hungry? Be like, are you hungry, Rainbow? And then Rainbow's like, that's paper. You're a fucking idiot. He's like, oh. <laughs> You're stupid and I love you. <laughs> but so, they send Clarice away, and then Luke shows up like he'd been watching the whole thing happen. And he knew exactly when to come in, like when his segue to come in was, but he didn't know that Clarice had left with the Golden Fleece. Yeah. Like, the way that it was written and he just kind of popped up was like, oh, he's just been like watching from the shadows going, yeah. wait, it's not my entry yet, no, that's not my line, <laughs> yeah. that's not my line, oh, fuck, don't go too early, my song's not like, starting wait, yet. Wait, my cue. Yeah, literally. <laughs> You're like, somebody get the script, they're not following it. <laughs> the musical that we did for school in year 12, one of my friends who was one of the main roles, she missed her cue to come on stage. She just completely forgot that she was in that scene. And she's one of the main characters. She was, like, there's two and main characters. Like, the was, scene that she was going she on She was for. the leading female, and it yeah. was like... Hello! The scene that she was going on for, it was she just was, her. She wasn't even side wings, she was downstairs. It was, yeah, the, it was, the scene was her and the other lead role, and they were supposed to have, like, a heart-to-heart on stage, and she just completely forgot about that scene, <laughs> and just went down to the green room and was just like, just having a fun time. <laughs> and so what was happening on the stage at that point was someone was doing a little dance that was part of the thing, and they just kind of had to keep going. <laughs> they kind of had to make it up and just be like... And the band... And he just had to keep standing there. <laughs> Where is she? <laughs> it was so funny. And then eventually when the director found her, when she just came, like, you heard her coming from yeah. a mile away, thump, thump, running, like, full sprint. To it worked really well, point. though, with how the other lead was really confused on the stage, and then just hearing that backstage, it kind of sounded like a little comic thing that was supposed to happen. Yeah. So if you hadn't seen it before, and this was in the last show, too, it was in yeah. the Sunday matinee 
And so if you hadn't known it was coming, it would have just seemed really funny that it was supposed to be like that, except for maybe yeah. It was one of those, like, guys. extended, awkward silence yeah. kind of moments. The lead guy's uncomfortable and awkwardness on stage might have been the only giveaway, that it was, like, not supposed to work out that way. But otherwise... <laughs> I thought he did a pretty good job of, like, staying in character and still being like, hmm, what is going on? (laughs) (laughs) But, so when it was actually happening, I was standing side stage because I was in the scene right after and I had to sing. So I was like, well, we have to, I mean, there's no point in me going to the green room, I'm in the next scene. So I just stood there. And we literally walked, because I was also in the scene before, so I walked off stage and she was supposed to be standing right there ready to go on on her cue. And... Me and my friend came off stage and we were like, oh my god, where is she? She's not standing right there. So we were like, we were looking around yeah. and then two I of the... I ran to go and find... <laughs> I was get her? Oh, there were like four people and we I, literally... was, I was one of them that ran to go and find it. Because there's four different yeah. um, rooms that she could have been in <laughs> to be relaxing. Like, but there's... like, we literally, me and my friend, because we had to stay there because we were not... Sp- we, like, it was, we were last minute before all we started, you know, showing all those scenes, we were put into yeah. the middle scene. We were supposed to, like, come up behind a little castle and sort of peer down and go, or, like, be, like, snooping kind of thing. Yeah, so we just were regular to be, musical stuff. Yeah, we were supposed to be snooping on the moment between the two lead roles and being like, oh, we'll report back because she's not supposed to be doing that. Spoiler, it was like a Juliet and... Yeah, Romeo it was like a re- Yeah, it was, it was a, like a remake. It was like a remake. And so yeah. we were supposed to be, like, peering down because she was our Juliet and we were going to be like, oh my god, we're going to tell our parents she's not supposed to be doing that. Ah! Yeah. So we were supposed to be looking down, and because we, we didn't have anyone to look down on, we were going, where is she? And so we literally turned to all of you guys in the chorus who were waiting there, and yeah. all of, like, the stage hands. We were like, go and get her. She's not here. She's supposed to be right here. And our director was off doing something. Obviously, he's, you know, he was getting everything. <laughs> he was furious. <laughs> like, you very rarely see him angry, but, like, he was properly like yeah. I'm gonna burn somebody's house down it was like oh okay but then it just it made my job so much easier in that next scene because we were supposed to be like you know fake laughing going like ooh whisper whisper what's going on and as soon as we got up to do our snooping we were going oh my god I can't believe she did this that was all of our like snooping sort of looks and like you know oh my goodness what's going on we're like so real because we were like my heart is racing I don't know what's happening <laughs> and we were like so everything just felt really authentic so actually like it was so a good thing the determination on her face when we found her and she was like because she'd already she'd like I, I don't know I think she'd undone part of her costume to like sit down and relax oh in. I was gonna say she doesn't take it off like she doesn't no, have no, a no, she just just undone it to like sit and mm. relax it and so she's like furiously putting it back on and like running full pout and her face was so determined <laughs> to get there she was lucky she wasn't all red no and I was like whoa <laughs> I was like get out of the way she'll barrel me over if I get in her way oh I bloody loved that musical it was so much fun oh, much fun. So yeah, Luke's waiting for his cue. <laughs> right. I was in my head while you were talking going, how did we get on this tangent? Oh yeah, that's how. So Luke's waiting for his cue and he walks on stage. <laughs> walks up and he goes basically, ah, I found you. Let's clarify, it's not a stage, they're on a pier. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yes. He goes, and then he basically drags them back to the ship. What? Perry the Platypus? <laughs> Same sort of vibe when Percy turns around and sees him. <laughs> Wait, so funny. is Luke Perry in this situation? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So good. Percy Doofenshmirtz Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Oh, we've made a lot of weird comparisons in this episode. Well, it's good fun. Yeah, it is good fun. <laughs> So he drags him back to the ship and basically tells him everything. And he's yeah. pointing swords, and then as he's talking, Percy flicks a. Uses his big boy brain. Oh, yeah. No, he sort of. He's been through this situation before, knows Luke is about to start monologuing, <laughs> so he's like, fuck, I've got to film this. <laughs> yeah, and he starts monologuing. So he flicks his drachma into Sly the. Sly dog. That's oh, yeah. really incredible. <laughs> Do some damage. <laughs> I also just love the way that he's thrown the coin into the spray. He's literally just gone <laughs> as if he had no more ammo or anything to throw at Luke. <laughs> when Luke's going, of course you idiot, and you've messed everything up. And then Luke, go, uh, Percy goes, traitor! I drug, dug my last gold drachma out of my pocket and threw it at Luke. <laughs> <laughs> and then just like the visual as Luke goes, as I expected, he dodged it easily and dodged just watched it. Yeah, and just watched it sail into the spray. And I'm just loving that image in my head of Luke going, what 
did you throw a coin at me? <laughs> Get off my roof. <laughs> walk on my walk roof. Walk on my roof. Yeah, <laughs> sort of just get like the sassy bitch, how dare you? <laughs> or just like co- total confusion going, did you seriously just throw a coin? Like, He's did, like you have, <laughs> did you seriously think it was gonna work? <laughs> He's like, you dumbass. <laughs> did so, you also just waste a drag? <laughs> you know, <laughs> those are precious. <laughs> Be like, quick, show to get that. We're on budget. <laughs> <laughs> so he throws his drachma into the fountain and calls Dionysus, and I'm just imagining the camera appearing, like, behind Dionysus' head, and Dionysus is turning around and going, what the fuck? Oh my god, oh, what's going on? <laughs> oh, look! How's that entertainment? <laughs> but props to Camp Half-Blood staying super quiet for Luke's whole monologue. Oh, yeah. Like, props. I would could not get a camp full of children to shut the fuck up for a second. Especially during dinner. Like, no, 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 no. He does his little evil man <laughs> tells him his plan, tells him, oh, yeah, I poisoned the tree. And then you see Tantalus and he grabs his cheeseburger. And it just reminded me of, you know, in how, uh, in Nomeo and Juliet, there's the gnome with the fish on the end. I got one, I got one! Yeah. And he picks up and goes, I got one! I just imagined Tantalus, the joy on that gnome's face was the joy <laughs> on Tantalus's face at finally getting the cheeseburger. And then immediate being... Oh fuck! I have to go back to the underworld. I don't get to eat my cheeseburger. <laughs> oh. Just the fates being so absolutely. Yeah, you can have that. Psych. <laughs> yeah, 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 sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. You're gonna get it. You're gonna get it. <laughs> it's a from any. No, there's there's something. There's like a cartoon, and there's like an animal going coming after whatever it is, and then is it from Finding Dory? Gerald. <laughs> <laughs> Off, off, get off! (laughs) Yes, it is what I was thinking of. Thank you very much. much. Love Gerald. Gerald's great. Gerald's good company. Loved all the edits that came out after that movie finished, and everyone was like, Finding Gerald! (laughs) They were like, Finding Nemo 3. It was good. Gerald was wonderful. Yeah. So then Luke I finds out what's happening. they both went off the rock and he was like, <laughs> <laughs> it was like batting the rock. When he scoots his bum up first. <laughs> <laughs> so then Luke gets all ragey rage over, you know, his plan being shown to more people than he was expecting. <laughs> I feel exposed. <laughs> Literally. So he thrusts his knife, or swipes his knife well, through the... thrusting. His, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not a good enough reason to use the weapon. <laughs> he's swiping his sword through the mist, and then he's going, you gon' die. You, you gon' die. die. <laughs> you gon' die. And then that's the end of chapter 17. Very action-packed, very funny. We have to basically talk about it. Yeah. So then in chapter 18, the party ponies invade. Party ponies! Yeah. In a bid to save his friends and like give Clarice that. more time to get to camp, Percy distracts and challenges Luke to a one-on-one fight. Accepting the fight, Percy and Luke go head-to-head and Percy is injured, but before Luke can deliver his final blow, Chiron and his centaur relatives appear. They scatter the monsters and Luke's comrades and scoop Percy and his friends from the cruise ship and away to a nearby forest. Karen reveals that he has been reinstated as Camp Half-Blood's camp activities director, but that his peers' reasons for suspecting him of wrongdoing are due to his own godly parentage. Or should I say, titanly parentage. Immortal parentage. Yeah, there you go. So yeah, fun stuff. The only notes that I had about like mythology stuff in these is... (laughs) uh, Actually, I can get into that a little bit later. As... Luke is fighting with Percy. He's also sort of multitasking and calling out to his bear friends and going, guys, get me my noble steed. Noble steed is Blackjack. Woo! Who is a her. In this short, brief encounter, is a her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can't tell me it's not the same horse. But I love that when she appears, <laughs> Percy says... She was calling Agrius and Luke some names so bad, Chiron would have washed her muzzle out with saddle soap. <laughs> She's Love it. fantastic. She is fantastic, and we will. He, she will forever be a she. Yeah. Either that, or she's the first trans character in Rick's books. Which sounds great. Yeah, it could. Yeah, sure. If he acknowledged it. Yeah, but he does. Rather than it just being, oh, yeah, that was a mistake, sorry, guys. You'd be like, Rick, missed opportunity for starters for your own stupidity. <laughs> uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. Could have used that. <laughs> I also wrote that Tyson must be in 
happen. Yeah, he's like, oh my god. Because when the Pegasus is there, and then suddenly a horde of centaurs appears, and he's like, so many are there. And he's like, Peggy! Oh my god. <laughs> but before the centaurs even appear, Luke is basically making mincemeat out of Percy. Yeah. The water is not helping. Yeah. It's not giving he's Percy... Like, he's like, give me a boost! Yeah. Sure, we are. <laughs> like, we are, dude. Pick up the slack on your end. He's like, oh my god. Yeah, to the point where Luke is just, like, playing with Percy at the moment. And I don't know if it's because he's being hit with... It's because he's in love with him, Kate. Okay. <laughs> I'm talking about the reason that Percy's, like, so at a disadvantage is because... I don't know if the reason is because the two sides of Luke's sword if it makes them... I mean, I, both, I know both sides are fatal to Percy, yeah. but if the fact that them combined makes them, I don't know, double... Malfunction? Yeah, and well, if it makes them, like, even extra, extra fatal, so, like, one cut is equivalent to, like, I'm ten with a... <laughs> I love when you don't listen. <laughs> I was listening. You're really validated. I was listening. <laughs> one song came into my head. But, like, if he was going to get cut by... A normal celestial bronze sword, it would feel like one cut, whereas when he gets cut by Backbiter, if it feels like ten, he's like, if maybe that's why he's like, if the power of the double, you know, sides of the sword, because it's so unnatural and shouldn't be that way, and Percy acknowledges that he thinks someone died in the process of making it, if that's given it extra power. He's like, somebody died in the process of making it. Me! I'm dying right now! Basically, as Aureus picks up Percy's friends to start eating them because Percy's losing. Yeah. Even though that's not the deal, Luke. What yeah. the hell? On top of that, why would he want it's Annabeth? Yeah, I know, right? Shouldn't he feel some sadness? Well, he's starting with Grover. Oh, and Annabeth. Yeah, true. Like these, but they're holding both. Yeah. Well, maybe this is the point where Annabeth's going. He can't be saved. <laughs> yeah, but like I'm because he tried to kill me. <laughs> well, because I'm just thinking in the next book he goes from being like, yeah, I'm gonna have my friend eat these guys, and then in the next book he's literally like. Annabeth, I need you. And it's like, and I and I love you more than anything. You're the most important person to me in the world. And she's like, the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> Textbook manipulation. toxicity and manipulation on Luke's part play into her insecurities and, of, and her need to be loved. Her 14-year-old girl insecurities her need to be loved. And knowing that she has a crush on him. Her traumatic developing brain cannot handle this. <laughs> <laughs> Traumatized, I should say, not traumatic. <laughs> so yeah, then an arrow sprouts from Orius's mouth, which just really pinpoints how fast that arrow is going. So like, oh, yeah. it should have really killed him straight up. Yeah, should have killed him. And also, a red feathered arrow, Nania who, Queen <laughs> Susan who, excuse me. <laughs> and then they're picking up all the kitties, and the party ponies are, you know, helping them get away. I love that my interpretation of all of these party ponies are that they're basically the horse version of frat boys. dude bro frat boys. Yeah. yeah. And I'm just imagining, like, especially the way they talk, what they wear, like, all of that kind of thing, I'm imagining them as the exact dude bros from Grown Ups 2. Yes! Especially when they all appear on the hill of the backyard. Yeah. I'm just imagining, like, that mismatch of, like, what the fuckery <laughs> is just all of Centaur. All we of get some old Centaur We'll finish it later. I promise. I promise. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> and I can understand why Tyron hates them. Why just call you crazy? <laughs> because in this scenario, they're all the dude bro frat boys, and yeah. Chiron is their college professor. Yeah! That's basically he's the like, comparison we're making here, and he's like, I'm so tired of you guys. And he's like, oh my god, get the fuck away from me. <laughs> <laughs> I also just had a note that was like, how fucking big is this ship to fit all of Luke and his army and also all of these party ponies? Yeah. How big is this cruise ship? I know cruise ships are big, but like, the decks aren't that big no. to have all of this happening. We're next to the pool. Well, remember, not, not his whole, his whole army's not on the deck. Well, true. Just a portion of them. <laughs> I also the last the time I went on a cruise ship. The last time I went on a cruise ship, the there was part of the as you were walking up the stairs onto the deck, you could there was like a glass wall where you could see into the pool. Yeah, <laughs> so I'm just imagining some of Luke's armies in that stairwell as Luke is fighting with Percy, and Percy gets thrown into the pool, and that's the only part of the fight they get to see because <laughs> they're just like trying to watch. <laughs> and he's like, oh, he fell in. Oh, he's out. Oh, what's happening? <laughs> 
<laughs> Just like the worst immersive movie experience ever. <laughs> oh, we didn't even get splashed. What the fuck is this for? <laughs> it's not working. 3D's fantastic though. <laughs> like he's really jumping. Yeah, this CGI is amazing. <laughs> Bit blurry, but... <laughs> So yeah, that was just the note that I had about that. So basically then Chiron whisks them away and, you know, they all fly fly away, fly away, to, you know, a nearby forest. And yeah, so this is the thing that I was alluding to before when I couldn't speak and couldn't organise my thoughts. Wow. The fact that they travel at, like, that weird speed yeah. reminded me of, in the moment, you know in Crimes of Grindelwald, even though we don't like to talk about that movie. No. With the Chinese dragon, the yes. Zugu, and it can jump jump very through far. far, like through time. Yeah. That's kind of what I'm imagining for the centaurs. Like it, they're kind of stripping away the construct of time. Time's a construct. Yeah. The you know the barriers of because time and making it grace. their own, and yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah. Which is really sorry. Cool. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> Are they all sons of Kronos or just Chiron? I can't remember what we did when we were talking about centaurs back in. Nearly Kai. Back in, you I know, think ye we oldie. Just asked the, I think we just talked about how baby centaurs are ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> Which, by the way, I also need to ask, how do they wear pants? Do centaurs wear pants on all four legs or just the back two? Why would they wear pants? If they were going to wear pants. They're wearing shirts. Yeah, because their nips are out. <laughs> so, that also stands to reason that their dick is out. <laughs> Yeah, they wear undies. Imagine walking around here. Just <laughs> 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 All these kids going, there's a reason we don't walk behind him. <laughs> this turned into something. <laughs> Very different. But see, yeah. if they're wearing underwear, still question remains. Are they wearing it over all four legs or just the back two? I know when you put them on a dog that they only wear them over the back two legs, but unless is it different for a horse? It's going to be a massive size underwear. Unless it's, uh, unless it's high-waisted undies, I think it's just just covering the necessary. <laughs> or maybe they just strap them up there and leave them. <laughs> okay, so centaurs themselves... This is an odd conversation. Uh, <laughs> that's why I'm moving on. You said centaurs... They're not all sons of Kronos, just Chiron is, because right. centaurs themselves, like the race of them, are offspring of uh, Ixion, who was a king of uh, Lapiths, and then Nephil, who is a cloud. Not even yeah. a cloud goddess, just a cloud. Nymph? No, she's a cloud. What? <laughs> <laughs> yep. All right. The cloud. Dude had some weird daydreams. <laughs> she's a cloud. <laughs> That's so weird. Yeah, maybe like... <laughs> Okay. Mm, that cloud. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> thick. <laughs> yeah, takes, she probably was a nymph, but it just said cloud, so. so. That takes cloud gazing to a whole new level. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm gonna have to arrest you for publicly. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was just cloud gazing. <laughs> yep, that's the problem. <laughs> We've gotten way off topic here. <laughs> you tried to arrest a cloud for public indecency? <sighs> Yeah. <laughs> so then we get, as Chiron's talking to Percy, Tyson is lured away by the other dude bro centaurs who are basically head slamming each other, and we have just rewatched Brother Bear. <laughs> oh, you shut up! <laughs> oh, you shut up! Oh my goodness, there's just a lot of things happening, and these two centaurs, like everything. It seems to me that everything we watched before recording these episodes, I just, they keep they in my head and then I go, oh, to them just so much. this is to this, and this is connected to this, and oh my goodness, this is this. It's just really convenient. Yeah. But I just thought it was funny, because that's all that I had in my head when these two, especially because these two centers go, ha, that was awesome, head slam! I was just like, I love that, it really clears up the sinuses. <laughs> literally, <laughs> literally, it's the two rams from Brother Bear. <laughs> Fine. Which is really funny because then they're so stupid they don't know what echoes are <laughs> and they're fighting against themselves, which is just the party ponies, <laughs> which I love so much. Oh, and you also <laughs> forgot to mention that um, the party ponies, <laughs> they shoot an arrow with a big fist on it <laughs> and it's like in the face twice, like twice. I want to believe it's one of those recoil ones that goes boom, boom, <laughs> like the ones on the um, the metal yeah. arm thingy. Mm. Or it's just on like a spring. Yeah. I just, but I just thought it was funny. It happened not once, but twice. 
I can just imagine him, him being like bowled over by this comedical red fist and arrow. And he's like, fuck! <laughs> I am the leader! The Sorry. police department could really have some fun with the party ponies here. Sorry, can I have some? Super soakers, no, paper was... guns, like everything. <laughs> so while Percy's talking to Chiron and he's saying, oh my goodness, you saved us. And then Chiron goes, well, I kind of had to, seeing as you cleared my name. And I went, were you not going to like, let them die if they didn't clear it? Like, these kids are supposed to be your be-all, end-all of your immortality. If they don't survive, you don't survive. So, mm, I would think it's yeah, that. How dare you think they're expendable, you bitch? <laughs> just because there's hundreds of them. <laughs> because the gods can't keep it in their pants. So then we also get into the great prophecy and... Percy's saying, am I the one in the prophecy? And Percy's going, look, I wish I knew we thought Talia was, and now we're thinking you are. But then he goes, we can't be sure of that. We don't know if the prophecy is about you. And Percy says, but it has to be about me. There isn't any other half-blood child of the big three. And Chiron cuts in up with, that That we we know know of. Foreshadowing! That we know of. He knows of, but that we know of? Oh, Because Percy doesn't know. So, like, it's a good segue into the next book, because obviously... We know that it's Nikon no, Bianca. No, 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 And I would assume that Chiron knows about Nikon Bianca because they were in... They've been around for like 70 years. Yeah. They're chilling. Yeah. Which also and then he knows the question. story. He was there and everything. The thing about the kids' ages, though, they're technically 70. So they're past the age of 16, but then they're also not past the age of 16 because puberty-wise... Yeah. So what so happened like, when they turned 16? But so it's like, if, if Percy died... And Bianca still died, but it was up to Nico. Would it even if Nico technically he'd be like an eighty-five? <laughs> well, would he be? I don't think that he would be the child of the prophecy. No, I don't think that he would. Like if everyone you know before him technically older than him, but they're all younger than him. Because if they all died and then it was up to him when he technically turned sixteen, I don't think everything would hinge on him. I just think everything would continue. Yeah, on. it would just it would, everything would be same same until yeah. the next child of the big three, aka Tyson. <laughs> Can we also just say that how loyal was Hades that he stayed with this woman? Like, to have two Poor kids. Persephone. <laughs> hey, I have, I have a feeling that it was consensual. <laughs> Persephone? Yeah. Like, you know, I told you my theory where it's like, yeah, they've been together for a millennium. They're allowed to every... Like, they have, like, free passes <laughs> to go on benders. You're on my list. <laughs> I'm assuming that I'm like maybe he wasn't supposed to have a kid, and that's what she's upset uh, about. Uh, yeah, well, but I, let alone two. <laughs> yeah, but I believe that they were allowed free passes and like, being like, "Hey, that guy's cute," and he's like, "Okay." <laughs> but like, they all know what's going on. He's like, "Love it's you, babe. Be that, back." Of that uh, interview on Graham Norton with oh James McAvoy. James, yeah. And he was yeah. in an interview going... She called it an allowance. Yeah, <laughs> and he was talking about this woman who was like, I'm allowed to have sex with you. And he was like, no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but how can you say no to Hades? Okay, so you wouldn't say no then. Oh, fuck no, I wouldn't say no. I'd be like, can <laughs> I also meet Persephone? <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, so then the next part of the conversation is Percy going, how can I not be me? Everything, you know, whatever. And then they're talking about Luke. And then Percy and Karen are talking about how... He doesn't. How Percy doesn't understand why one demigod can change the course of their whole belief system and their whole civilization, and how everything could depend on him. How like how am I going to compare as one lousy demigod up to this Titan Lord who's been around for literally millennia, and he's so unbelievably powerful that how am I supposed to compare to that? Oh, yeah. And then Chiron uses the symbolism of just one celestial bronze arrow and goes one arrow, you know, what would happen if you shot this at a human? Four or five moments. (laughs) Percy says, nothing, it would pass right through. And then Karen says, correct, because humans exist on a different playing field than gods. And gods exist on a different playing field than demigods. You are dangerous because you are part of both sides. So the reason that you're part of both sides is because you can play an experience from both, and that's why you're dangerous, and that's why gods use heroes to do their dirty work, and blah, 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 blah. But he says one thing. He says, humans don't exist on the same level as immortals. They can't even be hurt by our weapons. But you, Percy, you are part god, part human. You live in both worlds. You can be harmed by both, and you can affect both. That's what makes heroes so special. You carry the hopes of humanity into the realm of the eternal. Monsters never die. They are reborn from the chaos and barbarism 
that is always bubbling underneath civilization, the very stuff that makes Chronos stronger. They must be defeated again and again, kept at bay. Heroes embody that struggle. You fight the battles humanity must win every generation in order to stay human. Do you understand? No, but okay. I'm kidding. Well, Percy says, I don't know if I understand that. So, but the thing that I wrote a note on here is the line, monsters are born from the chaos and barbarism that's always bubbling underneath civilization. They must be defeated again and again to be kept at bay. This is the main theme from the Kane Chronicles. Specifically the term chaos. The way that the Kane Chronicles works is the gods that they're fighting against, the two sides of humanity, you have chaos and you have Mart. So Mart is like your order and your everything, your chaos is obviously just unbridled chaos. Yeah. And in one of the books there is a giant sea of chaos, which is basically the end of the world. And the what's been prophesied since the beginning of time is that the depiction of chaos, his name is Apophis, and then the depiction of Mart, who is Ra, is the sun, and there is one prophecy that Ra swallows the sun. So chaos overcomes Mart. Hey, this is Editing Kate here. Um, I just wanted to say I made a whoopsie there. I actually meant that Apophis follows the sun, not Ra, because Ra is the sun. So, um, yeah, that's that. Anyway, back to the episode. <laughs> and I just found it interesting because the phrase, you have to defeat them again and again to keep them at bay. One of the other characters in the Cain Chronicles literally has to fight Apophis day after day after day to keep them down so that they don't rise and eat the sun and basically swallow the world and the world dies. Yeah. So it's just like an interesting thing that this is, he's, Chiron's saying this about Greek mythology, but it applies to every other or it applies to at least Egyptian mythology in the way that he's written it for Cain Chronicles. So it can stand to reason that it applies the same themes to every single mythology in the world, that everyone has this one thing they have to overcome. And the bad is born from this. We have to defeat it again and again to show that we are good and show that we are deserving of this. Yeah. I just think it's an interesting parallel. And it's also interesting because it brings to light, well, is every religion and every... Not every religion. Is every mythology the same? You've just named it after different things. So all the stories are the same. Yeah. Well, yeah. Which is really fun. Which is why you have gods of different mythologies who are the gods of well, Well, that's like the sea. You've got different in different mythologies the other gods of the sea. Well, that's like for example, we all use our same myths to um, tell stories. For example, I did um, an assignment last year on an Aboriginal um, Dreamtime story that Mm -hmm. they use to teach children about narcissism. Right. And so the Greeks have their version, which is narcissus, and then this version was pretty much the same, and it was that someone was vain and disrespected their almighty god, or like their their, like their creator, they disrespected them because they thought themselves better, mm. and thought themselves more beautiful and then more deserving, and so then they were cast out um, and they were turned into their worst fear which is to be ugly where like whereas narcissists you know, died but it was still yeah. the same concept don't be vain mm. um, yeah I mean he was turned and of course in the Aboriginal version he was turned into a frog mouthed owl which <laughs> nice. if you've ever seen one those things are scary looking <laughs> a tawny frog mouth yeah we had them at uni they were like everywhere they're freaky looking they've got weird eyebrows yeah. Well, they look like eyebrows, but they're not. They're freaky looking. You look at it and you go, excuse me, <laughs> I don't appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, when they look at you, you think in your head, <laughs> I don't appreciate that, please stop. <laughs> appreciate the sex. <laughs> you contacted me. I know. <laughs> I'm no longer. So the reason that I also pointed out that um, chaos thing is because I like to think that that's also a little bit of foreshadowing to him writing that next series and writing the Kane Chronicles, and I just like that he's putting that in there. Yeah. And also, yeah. Because once you get to Kane Chronicles, they point out, you know, especially in because Kane Chronicles came after Percy Jackson, Kane Chronicles happens in Brooklyn, and Percy Jackson happens in Manhattan, and in Kane Chronicles they point out, no, we don't go to Manhattan. There's different gods there. We don't do that. And all the kids are like, what? Okay, bye. <laughs> and so they kind of like, there's that little bit of drop hint in there, whereas because this is the first series, you don't get a lot of that no. foreshadowing to other books, because he doesn't know if he's, obviously doesn't know if he's going to write them yet, so. Yeah. He's just too busy being a New York purist. <laughs> 
So that's really fun. And then we end on such a good cliffhanger. Percy Kronos is my father. <laughs> like Mr. Turtle is my father. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Turtle. Which I think is a really good place for us to finish, obviously, because it's the end of chapter 18. Woohoo! So, Ow, ankle. what did we think? Yeah! We've spent more time on this than I anticipated, so that's yeah, same. I was reading these chapters and going, wow, Kate and I are going to have nothing to talk about. No, it turns out Kate had more stuff <laughs> up her sleeve. I had literally nothing, guys. Sorry. The next episode is going to be... 10 minutes? I don't know. Uh, yeah, guys, the next episode is going to be 20 minutes long. That's all you get. Sorry. Thank you. But, like, legit, you carried this whole episode. You carry most of them. And they rarely have any input at all. <laughs> He's just going, Persephone, Hades, Persephone, Persephone. Hey, I'm here to point out the things that I love. Hey, Joe, you're former. consistent. That's what we appreciate. Thanks. <laughs> appreciate. So, I think that we should wrap this up. If you want to follow us on Instagram, we are at damnsnapbarpod. And if you want to email us, we are damnsnapbarpod at... Out- no, just... Yes, we're damn... Oh, my God. Damnsnapbarpod at outlook.com. Woo! Okay, um, <laughs> if you want to follow me on my social media, just the one. I won't plug them all. I can't remember all of them. Instagram. <laughs> um, it's joey.mcd33, Joey McD. Feel free to text me, DM me, talk to me. I don't post much, but like, you know, if you want to have a chat, I'm down. Sure, go for it. And if you want to follow me on Instagram, I'm at Katie Mac. That's K-A-T-I-E-M-A-C, a double K. On TikTok, I'm also at Katie Mac. K-A-T-I-E dot M-A-C, triple K. That sounds like a radio station. It really does. <laughs> want to follow me on Twitter, I am this at Jesus. That's F-I-S-H-J-E-Z-U-S. And it's the same for Tumblr. And I basically just reblog artwork of Persephone. So... That's really fun. And if you follow the Instagram, you see how much artwork we put on the stories there. It's good content. It is good content, and it's so much fun. And I think that about wraps us up for today. All right. We'll see you next time, Thanks for joining us. Bye. Bye. Bye.